If you had to collaborate artistically with someone else, for example as a musical duo, what approach would you take, especially when you have both had your own successful individual career paths? Let's dive in and find out. Welcome to Half Hour Mental. My name's Ian Cleverdon, and welcome to my podcast series designed to help anyone who is looking for inspiration to develop their creative skills, whether professionally or as a hobbyist. The creative arts has been the focus for this series, and I've been interviewing musicians, songwriters, authors and actors, but also speaking to some in the directing and strategic management fields of this wide-ranging industry. All of my guests have been carefully chosen, as each of them has a very interesting backstory from which we can all learn. If you're new to the series, please follow it on whichever streaming platform you use and go back and have a listen to the rich archive of over 30 interviews and compilations. In this episode, I have a first for the series, an interview with two mentors at the same time. Having said that, this musical duo are so in tune with each other, if you pardon the pun, that it gives us a great insight into how powerful an artistic partnership can be when they work in harmony. Okay, enough of the puns, but you're going to laugh your socks off in today's interview with the immensely talented Yorkshire folk duo Bryony Griffith and Alice Jones. Whilst they've only been together since 2019, they have individually established themselves prior to this time in the folk music world. Bryony Griffith is a fiddle player and singer from Huddersfield in West Yorkshire with a rich repertoire in English dance tunes and songs. She's played in many highly regarded groups, including Bedlam, Witches of Elzik, and the BBC Folk Award-winning Demon Barbers. She's also a senior lecturer in vocals and fiddle for the folk music degree at Leeds Conservatoire. Alice Jones is a singer, multi-instrumentalist and dancer from Rippenden in West Yorkshire. Her background is deeply rooted in the English folk tradition, and the music that she makes instantly reflects this strong influence. Alice sings mostly traditional songs, accompanying herself on the piano or harmonium, and sometimes only with foot or body percussion. Yes, you heard that correctly. She's also known for her research into the work of 19th century Leeds-based folk song collector Frank Kidson, about whom we'll hear about in today's podcast. If you're not familiar with Bryony and Alice's work, I've compiled a half-hour Spotify playlist of some of my favourite tunes of theirs, and the link to that is in the show notes, so go and have a listen. I recently took the brave decision from venturing from Lancashire across the Pennines to Yorkshire. Yes, I know, quite scary. But did that in order to interrupt their rehearsal for the winter tour, in which they're promoting their fabulous new album, Wesselbobs. Thankfully, Alice had Yorkshire tea brewing in readiness, so all was set for a great interview. Bryony and Alice, welcome to Half Hour Mentor. Thank you very much. Thanks for having us. I've got first question to ask everybody is, what's the first job that you wanted to do when you were wee nippers? I wanted to work at the Little Chef at Grangemore Roundabout. Because <laughs> that's probably only about as far as I've ever been. <laughs> that's amazing. Doing what at Little, little Chef? Oh, I don't know. Maybe being the Little Chef. <laughs> I don't know. I just We used to go there with my grandparents for a treat and... Um, I just thought it'd be nice to work there. Well, you made the right career move. I was no going to say, who would have thought that the longer job term uh, prospects were being a folk singer? <laughs> <laughs> but I, well, I also wanted to be a ballet dancer, but I didn't actually do ballet, so that was never going to happen. Um, <laughs> and then I actually wanted to be a GP. I really seriously did, mm. until they told me you had to do physics A-level. Ah. 
And then I didn't want to do that anymore. Yeah, no, I wouldn't <laughs> think yeah. that that was worth it. Really. Oh, Jamie, how about you, Alice? Um, well, um, <laughs> I turned up to a careers interview at secondary school and announced that I either wanted to be a folk singer or an accountant. <laughs> <laughs> they were the things I wanted to do. Um, at the point where I was kind of choosing my exams uh, that, that I was going to take. Um, I did all right in my maths, actually, and I have done some accountancy-style stuff. Um, so I've sort of achieved both dreams. <gasps> oh, wow. Well, I haven't done go. any of my ones. <laughs> well, um, before previous to that, uh, as a younger child, I would have said I wanted to be a librarian. Oh, that's better than Jonah, my son. Um, he wanted to be a... Oh, what they called even? What's them yellow things with one eye? A minion? Yes. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> he wanted to be a minion for a long okay. time. <laughs> I don't think that's a job. <laughs> well, could be. You see them walking they around. They wouldn't at, uh, say that. They'd be walking around at Disney or something like that, wouldn't they? I would yeah, imagine. Yeah. Oh, that's true, yeah. actually. Yeah. So how that. did you get into music then? What was the first sort of steps into music for you both? Uh, my mum is a musician but very classical. Um, she does choral singing and conducts ladies' choirs, um, church organ, all that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, she was a music teacher. In fact, she taught me music A-level at Greenhead. Uh, well, I say she taught me, I didn't actually get to make <laughs> <try> her lessons. <laughs> <laughs> a little rebellious at that point. Um, so she actually taught me, she taught me to play the piano just from being about four. Right. Um, just it was like an everyday normal thing and she taught me to read music which was absolutely Mm. amazing so much so that when I got to school I told them I could already read because I could read music and I didn't see any point in these tins of words I was like (laughs) cat, dog, nah I can already read and do this Um, give me A flat any time yeah absolutely Uh, so yeah so my mum taught me piano which was brilliant and then I had violin lessons at school just peripatetic went went through the grades for a bit and then eventually got kind of fed up of doing that and discovered folk music Mm. when I was about 13 and that was that well, obviously, Alice, from your point of view, you wanted to be a folk singer. Um, I already did, yeah. yeah. I've kind of grown up in a musical family as well, um, right. not not formally educated. My dad taught himself guitar and mandolin and stuff, and my mum's a singer, and there's a couple of things she can play on the piano. Um, she wouldn't say that she can play the piano, but she can get through it a couple of pieces. Yeah. So we were always encouraged you know, to learn an instrument if we wanted to. So I started... I think the first thing I picked up was a penny whistle. Um, Steve Harrison uh, gave oh, yeah. me some lessons on that. And then um, I got the opportunity to play a clarinet through the music service at school. But that was all oh. classical, went through my grades. And I ended up with a really ace a private tutor that taught me and my sister and my brother. And he was so long-suffering. Because like, my, <laughs> my older sister plays the piano, but... Uh, only does music stuff and freaks out if she, you tell her to busk something. I was the complete opposite. So he'd give me my exam pieces and then, and then I'd be playing away and he'd be like, stop. And he'd go, that's not what it says. And I'm like, yeah, but it sounds nice, doesn't it? And he'd be like, that's not the point of your exams. <laughs> but then he kind of quite encouraged that. He would do improvisational stuff with me as well. And then um, at the same sort of time I was starting to play the clarinet, I got involved with a community arts organisation around here called Ryburn Three Step. And that was a, a lot of professional trad English folk musicians and singers and stuff. Right. And they did a um, folk club in the village. There was a music session in the pub in the village. They had workshops and things. Mm. I, I, I don't think I'm made for classical music. I'm not good at rules or um, <gasps> no, that listening. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so the folk music thing where they were like, oh, just do what feels right. Or, you know, you can, you can pick whether you play 
two or three of those notes or you can yeah. play lots of notes uh, ornamented around it or you can play the chords so yeah I really took to the kind of folky style and I've been quite lucky to be involved in that like pretty much from about the age of 10 I think so yeah I think yeah that that was my thing really because I'd done I just did all the grades on violin and piano um but my mum mum's the same as your sister if you take the music away Mm. She's absolutely stuck. She can just about play um, the national anthem because oh, wow. she once got asked to play it and she didn't have the music and it was unplanned and she freaked out and just went, ooh, and played it and kind of went, oh, I can and do it. it's like a trauma thing. Yeah. And now she can, she can still do that one. Wow. But I'd kind of got to um, about 13. I'd done orchestra and, and I quite liked it. But then my brother, my older brother, had started listening to The Mission and all about Eve, oh, all right. that kind of thing, all mm. sort of Huddersfield alternative yeah. stuff. And they all had sort of violin fiddle riffs in. So I used to play them in my bedroom, through the bedroom uh, wall, because he wouldn't let me borrow the tapes. Right. Tapes, oh no, that's <laughs> how old I am. So he was playing the records and you were playing along. Yeah, and I was playing along in my bedroom. <laughs> and then that sort of led to the levellers and then went to Huddersfield Library, exhausted them of any CDs that they had, um, Fairpock convention steel eye and all that lot and yeah. I just started playing along with that and then gradually discovered that it was a real thing that I could mm-hmm. actually do and that's when I started getting sort of, I was probably about 14, 15 started stamping my feet at my violin teacher going, oh you don't understand me I just want to play <laughs> folk music and then he turned up one day with um, a Scott Skinner book and was like right, if you want to play folk tunes here you are, wow. and right. the Scott Skinner stuff is like <laughs> properly printed yeah. highly ornamented, some of it's like grade but 8 you could standard. read anyway so. well, I could read it, yeah absolutely <laughs> absolutely, <laughs> uh, he's like right well we'll work on these, I was like oh no, that's, that's not quite what I had in mind but um, but then then I joined Bedlam Cayley yeah. Band when I was about fifteen and that was that was the start of it really fantastic so yeah. how did you two get together then when was the start of it <laughs> well the, for a start we've been aware of each other for years yeah and that's not you know I wasn't an actual stalker but, <laughs> but I said, this does sound like it could be getting quite romantic <laughs> I, was at this bit, I? <laughs> I was a big admirer of Bedlam I've always been into Kaylee dancing that was like one of the things that kind of got me into the the folky um scene around here yeah. love dancing and like Bedlam because you know I'm, I'm used to um, hanging out with sort of people that were my mum and dad's age you know down the pub at the sessions yeah. and stuff and then this Kaylee band turn up and you're like oh my god they're really cool and they're like really young <laughs> and you did a Sidmouth late night extra and yeah. I think and that was a really big deal wasn't it because you were like oh yeah yes. that, I think that was 1997 I remember I'd gone to I was at uni in Hull and Mac who was the dad of Ross and Drew who were in Bedlam with me um stepdad of my now husband will um he rang me up in uni and went you're never gonna guess what and i was like what he's like you've got an lne at sidmouth and i was like oh, like absolutely career making it felt yeah. like at yeah. the time for a kayla band and yeah and then you came along to that didn't you I did it yeah yeah well i doubt no no you, i doubt it sort of on the well, i probably did know you were there because i would have said hi yeah we knew each other yeah just from yeah. being we were a lot of of people in like your paths would have crossed in the musical field yeah Yeah. Yeah. but actually the moment when it happened (laughs) (laughs) I think was you and um, Kate were going to revive a project and asked me to be involved in that yes which was the Uh, the theatre ballads yeah which I'd done with Esther yeah so I'd been involved in a project called the theatre ballads with Esther at the Boo with Kate Loxley and we'd also done John Kirkpatrick had been involved and Ewan McLennan we'd had some funding to do some of it and then that kind of dried up a bit and we couldn't really pay everyone to do it 
So me and Katie decided we would carry on uh, and we had puppeteers um, and there was also, it was kind of a show to illustrate some of the really big broadside ballads. And yeah, so people didn't get too bored during yeah, the exactly. yeah. 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 Something to watch. Um, Bit of visual distraction yeah, from yeah. the... Yeah, yeah so, um, so actually before that, we'd, we'd been talking at Sidmouth and I'd already been thinking, hmm, it'd be good to work with Atlas because we were both doing solo sets at the time right. around various festivals and um, both drawing on the same sources you know the Yorkshire songs Frank Kids and all that kind yeah, of thing yeah I up Frank Kids yeah. in my ear <laughs> obviously I was not after your man um, but yeah we'd been chatting about it then I'd been thinking oh, well that'd be a good idea so then when we were looking for someone else for the theatre ballads I suggested Alice um, and we actually we, we were going to do a gig at Todmorden uh, Folk Festival but for whatever reason, that didn't end up happening. Well, uh, Kate had to drop out, didn't she? Yeah. So it turned into, we didn't have a spot for this theatre ballads gig. And then Esther said, right, well, I'm actually going to just uh, have you as a double headline. So it's two solo female artists. She has, Esther's a big supporter of um, female musicians and artists and, you know, um, trying to sort of um, redress the balance on, on um, right. festival bills and stuff. Yeah. And, and actually, put, what that was one of the conversations we were having yeah. when you were thinking maybe we should work together yeah. because we were both saying working as solo female artists, you you kind of don't get the same opportunities. And it, you know, people can tell me that they've had other experiences and that's fine. Yeah. I don't think we do necessarily yeah. get the same sort of opportunity. You're less likely to get booked for a main stage festival spot than um, a fellow with a guitar is, for example. Yeah, really? Because they'll yeah. say to you, oh, I'm just not sure you can hold the interest as a as a solo act on the main stage. And then I'm looking at the bill and going, there's quite a few uh, solo acts <laughs> that you've got headlining your concerts. And, you know, I'm not saying that um, there are reasons for, you know, people being able to shift more tickets than maybe someone else's. But um, we thought ganging up might help. Yeah. <laughs> we were both high enough profile to be doing Biggish solo gigs, yeah. and I, I kind of always got the feeling people were kind of going, "What? Just you and your fiddle? Yeah, yeah. What are you going to do?" Is that like, well the same as that man and his guitar, his guitar <laughs> but on a fiddle? Yeah. So yeah, so we were. That's kind of where we were coming from, thinking if we yeah. ganged up together. So when was this? What, so what oh yeah, so it, so Esther then said, "Can you do this double headline concert, and we'll call it Sounds of West Yorkshire?" <laughs> Which we thought was risky. Which thought was a bit funny. <laughs> Once we've got over making fun of each other. And your first concerts in Lancashire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, we were on the we were on the Yorkshire side, I'll have you know. Uh, yeah. Split down the middle. Um that was that Tobard in 2018, I think. Nineteen. No, because then we did Sidmouth 2019. No. Tw- they were in the same was... year. Were they? Yeah, because I was pregnant at both of them and I wasn't pregnant for longer than a year. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, I think I think we defer to. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Guess, I guess who yeah. didn't want to be a doctor? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So we, I mean, the the plan was just to do two bits of solo set, but we decided we would collaborate on some of each other's. So I played a bit of fiddle on some of Alice's stuff, and you put harmonium on cropper lads and yeah, stuff like yeah, that, yeah. and it went down really well. And we just thought, well, that worked, and it, it seemed really. Not easy, but it was quite straightforward. Yeah, working on each other's stuff because yeah. um, we're into the same sort of songs and similar keys for voices. Yeah, and with the harmonium, 
we've got all, all the chordy stuff and the guitar and then I can put on harmonies with the fiddle and mm. that's the bit for me that really stands out is your arrangements because I first came across you earlier this year at uh, Costa Festival oh, in Ibiza yes. and oh, uh, <laughs> at the uh, infinity stage out by oh, the yeah. pool you oh, know. oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh it sounds like we've got a story about that one I just, I'm traumatised <laughs> But the thing is, is that there were two things. It was the arrangements of the songs that you did. So, you know, there's a lot of pure folk songs, you know, there's a lot of tradition that's in there, but done in a really different way. But also the humour that you put across, because just the way that you have the banter, even when sometimes things go slightly, as you don't, you wouldn't anticipate. Uh, it's so funny, you know, and you're probably one of the best that I've seen in actually dealing with that. So... Tell us about, we'll, we'll talk about the stage yeah. bit in a bit, but tell us about the interpretation. So if you we talk about Frank Kidson, for example, you know, there's oh, a lot on, of man. the work there. Yes. <laughs> we wondered how long it would take before we get into Frank yeah. Kidson. But how, where do you start when you've got a book or you've got a, some sheet music that's got an old broadside ballad in or a folk song? How do you go about interpreting well, it? Do you know what? Usually I'd say... Um, when you come across the, the song that you start working on, probably what you've done already is gone through that book 10 times, put post-it notes in going, I like this one, I like yeah. this one, then gone back through it again and gone, oh, that's awful, why did I put it there? And I've ignored this one and moved the post-it yeah. notes about 10 times and then settle on a thing that sort of grabs your attention. We, yeah. we're, we're very um, tune-focused. Yeah. And as far as the words go, um, looking at the words that go with the tune we've chosen, it won't limit us to then looking at other versions of words to kind of uh, meet what we think is an exceptional tune. So is it yeah. the melody that captures you, captures your imagination first then? It depends. Uh, it, it just depends, it depends what depend. it is, isn't it? Because like Alice was saying, it depends what day you look at it as mm. well. You know, mm. if you've got an idea in your head that you're looking for a miserable song, <laughs> you might flick through and go, oh, wow, that's utter misery. I love this song so much. Let's do this. That will suit us. Yeah. <laughs> or some days you might be after something that's got a great chorus that, yeah. you know, you can do at folk clubs and something else will jump out at you. So I think it just depends when you're looking. But I think for us, it is the tunes so if there's an all right tune we might just see if there's another version or mix and match a little bit mm. um and i i used to be afraid of doing that i didn't think we were meant to do it going back like 20 years when i used to sing with the witches of elzik we you know we we started making little different versions of stuff that mm. weren't just a song that we'd learned from someone else and um a couple of well shall we say probably older men at folk clubs were coming up at the end of going oh you can't you, I can't believe you've done that thing to that song mm. and we were going well well we have and and I I kind of always felt like oh god we've ruined this song we've done this thing to this sacred item but it's been going on for centuries exactly yeah. and this is how you get all these versions and it took me quite a while to go oh right now it's fine yeah and and I that's I feel very lucky for the background I've had because of the the people around that I was spending the time with that were musicians and uh, singers were doing that with all sorts of stuff so you know I'd be like I'd turn up at folk club as a say like 12 13 year old this they started encouraging me to sing at folk club, which I didn't realise a lot of people wouldn't do because they were so intimidated by this mm. this quite impressive lineup of pro folkies that were the residents. And um, 
I'd be chuffed because I'd found this song that I wanted to sing and it was quite interesting and it didn't seem like many people had recorded it and then I'd get up and sing it and and then John Adams would come up to me and be like, oh yes, I recorded that with Mucker and Wakes and, and Pete would be like, oh, I wrote the fourth verse of that and like the, everybody knew it and they all sort of like had a hand in creating this song and yeah. that's when I found out quite how much some of the people were fiddling with stuff and then of course they'd tell me the stories about Nick Jones and mm-hmm. how there's so many of the broadside melodies, it just made up basically even yeah. though some of them already had quite established melodies and stuff so I, I think I've sort of been brought up knowing that that was kind of all right to sort of fiddle around with stuff and and in terms of we, we'll both have an ear out for a good tune that's quite that is quite mm. a priority but actually if we do find a set of words that we, we go oh that's really interesting or, or it might be a sort of a unique setting of the words We'll then go out and see what what versions of tunes are available, like right. collected in Yorkshire. Because there might well. be so, yeah, different versions yeah, knocking around so it, of the same. Exactly. Song. If it's yeah. if it's tune led, and that's why I've chosen it. And the words, some of the words, you know, don't seem right. We could go and have a look at different verses and curate the words. And if if it's the words that's attracted us to it, then sometimes we'll go and look and see what other yeah. tunes we can find to go with it. But so. I mean, there's there's so much stuff available. It's almost made it more difficult. Mm. Because I think, you know, when I was younger, I maybe had two songbooks. Yeah. And I would just kind of find a good song in there and do it. And it didn't really matter where it was from or what it was, if it was all right. And I thought it was You've quite good. Slightly more books now, haven't you? <laughs> yeah. Slightly more books, yes. A little bit obsessed like with a books. House full. A library of books, yeah. So you'd kind of go, all right, well, there's that song. Yeah. Maybe there's another version in this book. Maybe I'll add that verse. Now, with the internet and, mm-hmm. you know, actually being able to go, oh, you know, go to the archives, for example, mm. on the Vaughan Williams Memorial Library, so you can see what book it's in. It doesn't give you the song. Yeah. You can see what book it's in, basically. Go on eBay, go, <laughs> oh, there's the book for 99p. Next day, I've got it. You've got three and I've got books. the song, yeah. It's incredible, isn't it? It is, yeah. and, you yeah. know, you couldn't do that before. No, yeah. um, it was finding which library might have it in yeah, stock somewhere. exactly. Yeah. And so, actually, now, it almost makes it more difficult for yourself because you've got too many options. Yes, mm. cool. Um, I will just add, though, that um, it is a mix of stuff in terms of there are things that we've just got from the collected version of it. Mm. It's not... Oh, yeah, we, we don't, don't always, yeah, mess, we don't always mess around with all the things, you know. No. Some yeah. of it's just dead straight, you know, the thing that might be... Uh, it might be a slightly niche version of a thing, but it's it's come from the collected works mm-hmm. and then yeah. some of the other stuff we do, like, play around with. And yeah. for, from source singers as well, from albums, from re- re- other yeah. recordings, you know, it's not just mm. all from books. Um, yeah, if you've do, heard a version of some, that somebody's yeah, done, Steel Eye yeah. or whatever, perhaps, and yeah. it, you think, okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we've got quite a lot from John Greaves, haven't we? Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, singer from Near Bay, he's brilliant. He's got a massive collection of songs. Yeah, um, and you're stealing all Will Noble's songs. Will Noble, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So how does, what about the musical side then? So if you decided on the song, you think that'll work. Yeah. How do you work on your arrangement? The thing is, with the first album, we were slightly restricted because we'd had... There was some of the stuff we'd prepared to do a concert. We did, like, an hour's worth of concert, didn't we, together at Sidmouth. So we had a fair bit of material. But then there was this point during the lockdown when Brian just went, should we try and record an album because you know we didn't know if we were ever going to gig again you know well that's right nobody <laughs> so we really did got this potential stuff yeah. shall we do an album and actually the stuff that we had available 
that we'd worked on. We, we then actually didn't record quite a bit of that. And then so when, went so Yorkshire niche yeah. <laughs> from that, whereas it had always been a bit of a name, yeah. um, it became like the mission. And um, what we were doing there was sending each other recordings of, so I think there was one, th- so say Wanton Lasses. Mm-hmm. I had, um, I'd been looking at that for a couple of years actually. And then came up with, what I thought was the right thing for the tune, because what I did was changed it, the the tune that was stated as the right tune, I changed it into a minor key, mm. sent it to Bry, and then she sent it back with all this pizzicato on it. Like, it sounded absolutely amazing. And I'm not even sure that you thought that you were going to actually no, do the that. Reason, the were... reason that I did pizzicato on it was because, because it was lockdown, um, you know, I was just in the house with a fairly small baby really she Mary was only five so months was it yours we lockdown, <laughs> just found it um <clears throat> so it was you know, it was very intense in the house the four of us yeah. not not Alice obviously she was in a I joined <laughs> um, um so once everyone was in bed I'd go and sit in the kitchen because that was single later but it's not there anymore it's been knocked down but um <laughs> the, just the downstairs kitchen that didn't have any bedrooms above so I'd just go and shut myself in there and very quietly pluck away right sort of finding it's the way you could practice yes yeah, that was the way I could anyone. practice right. so I sent it to Alice yeah, like that, that. Was that amazing <laughs> so it stayed like that so there's a, yeah, yeah there's a couple that are like that actually yeah and um, then and then we kind of like I came up with this little riff on the harmonium and then we were kind of coming back and forth and then and you were like, well, what if we share verses? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that'd be really cool. And then you're like, oh no, what if we share lines? And I was like, yeah, what a great idea. And we were kind of doing this, this thing and we recorded it and it was amazing. And then it came to the first gig and we were like, why did we do this? We It's quite like... It's like who's going to do that one? Who's going to yeah. do this well, one? Well, and yeah. even now, sometimes I go, oh, it's gone quiet. And they're like, oh, that was my line. <laughs> I didn't sing. But not so the chorus changes as well and halfway the through changes. it is ridiculously yeah. complicated but we we discovered that even with all of the technology available during lockdown you couldn't actually practice together over zoom or anything because mm. of the lag it just didn't mm. work mobiles kind of cancel each other out don't they when there's a noise so you can't hear each yeah. other so what we actually discovered was that landlines were the best if you just put your landline on a loudspeaker and well, mm-hmm. in my case, put it on the kitchen wow. floor. Yeah. on it. Yeah. Um, and you could actually hear each other and play along in real time. So that's what we did. We nearly called the album Red Wine and Landlines, didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a title that would be. I know. We were mainly drunken on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> we decided to steer away from the uh, the wine box <laughs> reference. <laughs> Fantastic. But that but we sort of have kept doing it like that yeah. now. So if, we, if I find a song, I'll just record it and send it to Alice and then she might send it back with a, some yeah. guitar on and then so with the new album then Wesselbobs that you've yep. got which is a winter album yep. what approach have you taken with that is it the same is it different it's very much the same <laughs> <laughs> but there, there's an aspect because Bry does play the piano plays the piano very well better than yeah, I play thanks. the piano there was uh, one or two where when you were working them out as a song for you you'd actually been playing them on the piano yeah. so so one of the arrangements on the Wesselbobs album actually the chords you put with it were ace and I was like just tell me what chords you're playing and obviously I have to play the harmonium differently so I can't I couldn't sort of just steal what Brian had done and use that arrangement it's a different style of playing that you need on oh the totally yeah well you piano. can't press yeah. as many keys down because you have to pedal it. faster <laughs> it makes my bum wobble too yeah. much <laughs> Wobble myself off the chair. Well, we've all done that. <laughs> uh, yeah, so like that one, for example, 
it, it, you know, that was like all Bri mostly. And, and then I kind of went, oh, I want those chords. They're amazing. And <laughs> I worked with that. There was other things, uh, the footmarks that I traced to little footmarks in the snow because that started life as a music hall song. When I first started researching it, researching <laughs> sounds posh, doesn't it? I basically just went down a massive rabbit hole with it and um, managed to get hold of the 1875 published version of it from the actual music hall. Well, that sounds like proper research to me. <laughs> well, that's where fair. I ended up with it. Um, there <laughs> was a lot of things. <laughs> yeah, I was so excited. I ended up with people from the uh, uh, Eng- uh, British... Uh, music hall society getting involved in it and all sorts of things um it was a broadside i'd found in the kidson collection frank that's frank kidson and uh <laughs> i'd worked it all the way back to this music hall song uh, i came around to yours for a practice <laughs> and i was like i really want to do it it's like a, it's a snowy song where nobody dies so like that's that's a festive. happy one yeah <laughs> that's festive and then i can't remember playing it to you and you were like Mm. <laughs> is there any way of making it less music holly and I was like oh, I knew, yeah I knew it was too music hall <laughs> and then that led me to find some other uh, source singer versions of it and then this Yorkshire source singer Frank Hinchliffe um, who had a, a fragmentary bit that was collected from him and then it became the thing that it is now but like that for example we very rarely actually have an incident where one of us comes up with a thing and the other one goes yeah I don't really like that <laughs> that's the closest we've come to it but I think I think you knew that I was unconvinced as well yeah I think <laughs> so, so you were like yeah I, I, agree. Th- I knew there was more work to be done yes yeah, yeah. and then kind of wo- I kind of took that away and worked on it on my own quite a lot but then there were things like um, Rip and Sword Dance as mm. well. That um, That's based on your arrangement. Well, yeah, cause I, I already had an arrangement of it because I, I run Shepley Singers. That's a four-part a cappella choir. Um, so I've got a lot of... Well, we have, we have a May repertoire for when we used to do Shepley Spring Festival uh, and a winter repertoire. So I've got quite a lot of four-part arrangements already. So we I sort of nicked a little bit of that, so the harmonies and that kind mm. of thing. But another one that I wasn't sure about was the Olins and the Ivan. Oh, yes. Oh, um, yeah, that was the other one. So that was a tune that was sent to Francis Collinson. <laughs> um, uh, the, the Holly and the Ivy, or the, the Holly Bears a Berry, was sent to the collector Francis Collinson um, from a lady called Mrs Howarth mm. who was from Huddersfield so I think I'd, I'd seen it on an archive search that it was mm. Huddersfield and then when we went down to Cecil Sharp House to do a gig I saw the actual original and yeah I just said it was, it was sent to him by this lady from Huddersfield and I kept humming through the tune and I was like oh it's just a bit you, you kept saying to me like I'm not really sure about it not I think I hate it <laughs> but then I'd just be like cooking some tea or something and it kept popping back in my head and I was like Ugh. anyway so I, I sort of got got an arrangement just of the song and the words um, change it to Olin's and Ivan which was well just fancy doing that really. no the <laughs> Olin's is Holland so is that Ivan. sort of a, a Yorkshire dialect is it yeah uh, Olin's if yeah. you see um, Olin's Lane well it's usually spelt with a her isn't it there's Holland's Lane just up the road so that's Holly, right. Holly Lane um, but I, I couldn't say Holly every time it was Holly. the Holly yeah. so I just like if I say Olin's yeah. instead it's much just easier anyway so sing I, it as you say it yeah, yeah. exactly <laughs> so I got that version sent it to Alice and went right if we're going to do it this is how I think it's going to be. And then she just sent it back with this awesome, funky guitar part on. <laughs> you'd, sent it on you'd played it on piano, though, hadn't you? Oh, when you sent it to me. Yeah, yeah. Ah. yeah. Yeah, but then you did all that, like, syncopated stuff, and I was like, ooh. That's <laughs> yeah, great track. I like that now. It's really, really well um, done. So, yeah, I guess we sort of encourage each other to, yeah. to do the best 
thing we can with the songs that we find. I don't yeah. think there's many we've totally just poo-pooed, are there? I don't think any. No. And did the arrangements change when you play live as opposed to the recording? <laughs> don't uh, know yet. <laughs> this uh, is the problem. Find, uh, stay tuned to next yeah, week's episode. Yeah. I, I will say there's been a couple of times uh, the, the last few weeks rehearsing because we've not been able to get together as much as we'd like to be mm. able to before the gigs. Yeah. Oh, so just to I make it clear, we're recording this. <laughs> we're recording this just before your tour. Yeah. 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 Um, we've had lots of practices since, though, <laughs> and what we've found out in those practices. <laughs> Is that we've both been listening to our own CD, going, oh, I don't, I don't remember doing that, <laughs> and having to sort of learn some bits that we did in the studio. But then we recorded it in June, and um, we've it's not been Christmas, <laughs> so yeah, learning the songs has been a, a discovery in some places. Well, and also because well, the the first album, a year too late and a month too soon, we recorded that straight out of lockdown basically, mm. and we had we were rehearsing that distanced from each other in a freezing cold gym your mm-hmm. friend's gym yeah. we borrowed, with a bottle we? of red wine <laughs> listening to a that landline. would have been nice yeah. <laughs> no we, we properly we did distancing we had oh, masks yeah, we had on masks. it was freezing windows cold windows open windows open we each had our um, own little tea urn <laughs> yeah we really, really did and so when we actually recorded it we'd, we'd barely actually been together the, the first album and then this one we'd, we'd had time to sort of more or less decide what we were going to do but I think we decided with it being a sort of a more wintry seasonal album, we didn't mind so much if it had a bit of, you know, overdubs and stuff or some extra harmonies and things like that, just to make it sound mm. nicer. So then my decision now is that I, I have to decide which bit of fiddle mm. I'm going to play live mm. or, or which bit is the original line that I decided I was going to do or which bit I can actually play while I'm singing at the same time. So it's been that that's taken my time up, deciding which bit to do. And also some, like the Hagmina song, I mean, we've we've got completely different voices, but there is something odd that happens when they go together that they do sound really similar. Yeah. I, cu- I couldn't actually tell which was my line or which was the <laughs> harmony. Problem. Like, is that me or is that Alice? <laughs> I honestly couldn't tell. So, Well, anyway. people need to get on to your tour and yeah. uh, have a listen to that. Yes. What's the future after the, you've done the, the Whistle Bobs tour for the, over the winter? What's oh, the future um, like? World domination. <laughs> Quite right. Yeah. I want to work at the Little Chef. Yeah, I want to be an accountant. <laughs> Yeah, resurrect the little share. <laughs> There's not so much work. <laughs> I don't know. We'll just... Um, well, actually, we're going to get some new material together just for general gigging that's not seasonal. Yeah. Because, um, obviously, we're, we're going to try and stretch this out till about March. Yeah. <laughs> it probably still snow around now, is it? Yeah, April. that's the yeah, rule. It could be when a challenge at the summer festivals. <laughs> it, yeah. Yeah. Well, no, I, uh, somebody suggested that we do a Christmas event at Sidmouth. Well, yeah, we'll <laughs> do Apparently that. Apparently they have had one before. Oh, really? Yeah, Christmas well, time. It's the future. Yeah, yeah. I know, Absolutely. yeah. Absolutely. Have our half Christmas. <laughs> oh, yeah, let's do that. Oh, superb. Well, wish you all the best with that. Time is uh, is marching on as it always does in these yep. discussions. So well, we talk quite a lot. Well, I'm quite right too. That's what, pod- <laughs> that's what podcasts are all about. I've got one final question I ask all of my guests, and that is knowing what you know now and everything that you've learned in your musical joint careers that you've done and separately, what one piece of advice would you give your younger self? that you talked about whether it was thinking about Little Chef or thinking about well yeah because they've all closed haven't they <laughs> so that, um, I would say well done for not going and being a chef yes but um, no actually seriously I would 
tell myself about 20 years ago to actually make the solo album that I wanted to make then mm. and go for it. Because too many people went, eh, no. Who would buy an album of just you playing the fiddle? And I went, oh, all right then. Uh, and didn't do it. And then it took me another 15 years to do it. And I, I wish I had just done it because it would have just, I don't know, set me up a bit more for the career I wanted as English fiddle player. And it, I did a lot of things for other people mm. and I played with other people's bands for longer than I should have done, really, instead mm. of pursuing what, what I wanted to do. Well, but, you know, but then I might not be here doing this now which I'm really enjoying so I kind of have this thing of have no regrets you know you don't know where you would be if something else it's like sliding doors in it you Mm -hmm. don't know it's that fork in the road yeah yeah so I'm very happy with doing this now with Alice and maybe that wouldn't have happened if yeah, yeah. Something be like a superstar solo artist. I know I could be, be really rich and famous <laughs> <laughs> with your special riders that you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. How about you, Alice? Well, so it freaked me out when you asked me this because I was just like, I'm not really sure because there's so much advice I probably need now. Still, <laughs> <laughs> I'm the sort of person that shouldn't be giving people advice, let alone my younger self. I would advise you not to talk to your younger self. <laughs> just, yeah, keep away, corrupting her. Leave her alone. <laughs> That's good advice, thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, and I was going to say something about being less bothered about what people think, but I'm not actually sure I was bothered what anybody thought. Uh, so actually, what my answer is, um, would my, my advice to my younger self would have been to maybe come up uh, with some sort of business plan, some sort <laughs> of like financial plan or like, um, yeah, just a, a way of kind of investing a bit more in myself like in a grown-up way mm. you know so that like I, you know I, I paying for albums and stuff it's it's quite expensive oh, and yeah. um there are things that I, I could have been doing from a younger age that would have put me in a financial position to be maybe able to invest in more things now and you know especially now at the moment when you've you kind of got to be your own like um pr person and you've got to do all your own videos and social media and all these kinds of things and uh, I see people invest, investing in these amazing cameras and stuff and like <laughs> all sorts of fancy recording equipment and they just knock things off at home and things like that. Maybe if I'd given myself a business plan and been a proper accountant type yeah, person. But, but then you wouldn't have as many sequin dresses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that actually is an issue. <laughs> I mean, the buying the sequin dresses thing is an issue. <laughs> Which I think probably would form, if everybody, when they see you live, would form a whole new podcast series. <laughs> oh, you but... want to see what I've bought for the Christmas tour? <laughs> oh, because you want to see what I've bought for the Christmas <laughs> tour. Well, the important thing is that people need to get out there <laughs> yes. and see you see live you. on the tour. And we wish you the best of luck with all Thank of that. Thank you so Bryony, much. Alice, thanks very much for joining Half Hour Mentor. Thank you. Thanks. What an absolute inspiration those two are. Despite Bryony's yearning for the return of Little Chef restaurants and Alice's obsession with Frank Kidson. As I mentioned in the interview, I first came across them when I went to the Costa Festival in Ibiza last April, where I also met my last guest, Festival Programme Director, John Watterson. Their stage presence was captivating and their in-between song banter was just as entertaining as the excellent musicianship and interpretation of the traditional folk songs. If you're listening to this close to the episode release on the 9th of December 2023, do go to their website, bryonyandalice.com, and find out where they're playing. You can find a link to their website, along with their individual sites, in the show notes. 
Also, as been customary with my interviews with musicians, I've curated a half-hour Spotify playlist of their songs. Be warned, though, there are some really catchy tunes in this short compilation. But do get to see them live if you can, even if you don't think you like traditional folk, and I'm using air quotes here, because they put on such an entertaining show. My thanks go to Brian and Alice for taking the time out of rehearsals for their interview. Well, that's it for today. We have one more interview left in this series, and it features a titan of the TV and news industry, but you'll have to wait until next week to find out who that is. If you're new to the series, check out the back catalogue, which you can find on all major streaming platforms. Thanks for listening. Until the next episode, bye for now. Bye for now.